0: to St. Mark from the ninth chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning comes from St. Mark. It is Mark 9, verses 30 through 37, and can be found on your Pew Bible, page 1569. Mark records, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth And the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. As we have been making our way through the gospel of Mark, we will see a change in the focus all four gospel accounts, all four, have this change of focus. The beginning of the gospel accounts, they focus on the teachings and the signs. And they point to Jesus as the promised Messiah. And these signs and teachings are there as they fulfill the promises that he made through his prophets in the Old Testament. They certify that Jesus really is the Messiah, the Messiah who was sent from God. They make him known to the multitudes. And then there comes to the point where we are where there is a change in focus as Jesus began to prepare his disciples for that Good Friday. And over the past few Sundays, we have heard that Jesus began to seek solitude so that he could teach his disciples in a more private setting. Remember, I made Light of him going across the lake to find a, just a little cruise time and a beach and be alone. And, and the people followed him. They ran around the lake. He spent more time in Gentile territory in order to get away from the crowds. And yet he still performed the signs. And he still proclaimed the gospel. But his main focus was on preparing his disciples. For his upcoming suffering, death, and resurrection. And that is the reason that he went to the areas of Tyre and Sidon and Caesarea and uh, the Decapolis. And that is the reason today's reading from Mark's account of the gospel begins with the words, They went on from there and passed through Galilee and he did not want anyone to know for he was teaching his disciples mark 9 verses 30 through 31 now all four gospel accounts make it very clear that jesus prepared his disciples for a good friday by regularly teaching them about his upcoming suffering death and resurrection And today's reading makes that very clear. He was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. That's Mark 9.31. And this is the focus of his teaching during those times, when he had them off by themselves. Now, although Jesus was being very clear, the disciples just weren't getting it. They weren't catching on. And today's reading informs us that they did not understand the saying and that they were afraid to ask him. Mark 9 32. And th- <laughs> this must have been very frustrating for Jesus. You know, he's God and he is man. He, I mean, you can be frustrated. I, I would have been. But before we get too hard on the disciples, or your pastor does, let's remember that no one, no one had ever done what he said was going to happen before. It just hadn't been done. There are accounts in the Old Testament of prophets raising other people from the dead. And Jesus himself had raised people from the dead, but no one, not one person, had come back from the dead under his own power. This was totally outside the disciples' experience. And it wasn't that they didn't want to understand Jesus, but they simply did not have the mental, emotional, spiritual, or experiential tools that they needed to understand what Jesus had said. So again, I remind you, but mostly me, because I can look at this stuff and go, duh, but let's not be so arrogant as to think that we would have been any different if we had been there. And after the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to record Jesus' teaching, he then inspired Mark to give an example of just how clueless the disciples really were. We not only hear that the disciples did not understand, but we also have a record of an incident that demonstrated how much they didn't understand. The disciples were debating among themselves who was the greatest in the kingdom. Think about that. When Jesus prayed to the Father in Gethsemane, he sweat drops of blood. And even so, when he shared this intense fate with his disciples, their response was to discuss who was the greatest. Jesus was telling them about the single greatest event in the entire history of the world, That is salvation earned on the cross for all people. And these guys were debating who would be the leader of their little band when Jesus was gone. Amazing. How embarrassing it must have been when Jesus asked them, hey, what were you discussing on the road? Now Jesus used this moment of embarrassment as an opportunity to teach them and us exactly what it means to be a leader in his church. Did you catch it? He sat down and called the 12. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last, last of all, servant of all, Mark 9.35. Now, in God's family, the leader serves. The one who is the highest makes himself the lowest. The leader in God's family sacrifices not to get power, but to serve others. Then, to emphasize his point, Jesus takes this little child, and he put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives... One such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. That's Mark 9:36 and 37. Jesus connected the child to himself, and then he connected both himself and the child to the Father in heaven. To receive a child is to receive God the Father Almighty. That's what he demonstrated. Now, the Greek word that is translated as child is called pahidion or Padawan. Padawan. And we've heard that in Star Wars when the young uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi says to the young Darth Vader, Oh, my Padawan. Now, that just came to me when I was studying for this, and I wanted to know what the, what that, uh, how to pronounce that word. And in the Star Wars movie, I'm not trying to go too far off the beaten path here, but he says, my Padawan, he was an older person, but he didn't have a clue. Now, a Padawan in Greek It is a child whose age would be somewhere between preschool and second grade. And I just wonder if maybe he was comparing the disciples to that. He said, at that age, well, at that age, most children can feed themselves. And most children in that age can get dressed and understand simple sentences and so so forth. But we are still talking about an age when children still need a lot of help just to survive. And this child can do a few things for himself, but for the most part, this child is pretty much helpless. The greatest serves the most helpless. And this is pretty much the opposite of the way that the world thinks. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned until now, people have wanted power and control, and people have thought that the greatest people controlled other people and forced them to serve. And if we look at the other readings for today, we see that each of them talks about the problems that we have because we always want people to serve us. In the Old Testament lesson, people wanted to kill Jeremiah. In our epistle, James considers the reasons people fight. You know, through the entire Bible, people have had trouble with greed, with power, and with control. And we are not any different today. Our culture praises people who are the best, or who are beautiful, or who are strong, or who are wealthy, or who has the most power. And sooner or later, we all fall to this temptation. We all want to serve. We want people to serve us. And we think that we are important. Now, the desire to be important does not change with time. The desire to be important is the reason that Cain killed Abel. And it is the reason that people terrorize others in their cities and in their communities every week. It is a deep part of our sinful nature. And it attacks us from the day we enter the world until the day we die. So the things Jesus teaches his disciples are good for us as well. And with great sadness, we know that today's gospel is not the only time that the disciples argue about who is the greatest in God's kingdom. And there was a time that Jesus told the disciples to go to a friend's house and prepare for the Passover. And when everyone arrived, the disciples began discussing who would wash the feet. And you see, they had been walking in the hot sun all day, and their feet were hot, and they were sweaty, and they were dirty, and probably smelly. And it was the tradition for the host to have a servant wash the feet of his guests. And none of the disciples wanted to do a servant's work. So nobody was washing any feet. And then Jesus arrived and he washed their feet. And that is another way, one more way, that Jesus showed them and shows us service. Jesus continued to show service to the disciples and us beginning that very evening. He served you, and he served me by allowing a band of soldiers to arrest him so that he could endure a day of torture and shame as he took your sin to himself and carried it to a cross and to death. He served you, and he served me, By enduring God's holy wrath against our sin while he hung on that cross. He served you and he served me after his friends laid him in the tomb by rising from the dead and proclaiming his victory over death, over sin, and over the power of the devil. And Jesus said, the greatest is the servant of all. And Jesus is the greatest. Because he served the entire world by offering himself up as the atonement for all of our sins. Jesus still serves us. He serves us as the Holy Spirit gives us forgiveness by the gospel. The gospel we hear in the absolution and in preaching. The gospel combined with the water of holy baptism. He's serving us. The gospel combined with bread and wine as Jesus himself enters us with his forgiveness. One mouth at a time. Jesus, the greatest, serves us who are the most helpless helpless in sin and facing death. We who would be great in our greed receive the generosity of a Savior who serves. Now that Jesus has served us with the ultimate service, he is able to work through us, through us, to serve others. And he gives us the power to share his service with the people in our lives. And ultimately, it is the desire of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to serve us with new, holy bodies that will rise from the dead just as he rose. And on that day of resurrection, he will serve, we will serve one another in perfect harmony and joy. And our service will be so perfect that it won't even cross our minds who is the greatest. In the name of Jesus, amen.